Hello, my sweet and wonderful friend. I hope you are keeping extremely well. Before the episode starts, I wanted to let you know that we now have some uncaged merch. That's right. And when I say merch, of course, I mean just some stickers. But hey, why not commemorate the time that you listened along on an audio journey as two grown men fell apart over the course of 100 days by defacing the front of your homework diary with some pictures of Nicolas Cage's face stuck on them. Each pack has four stickers in it, two of which are shinies, might I add, and all the designs are great. And if that wasn't enough, all money raised by selling these suckers is going straight to Sari, which is both a charity and an acronym. Standing Against Racism and Inequality. They are a terrific organisation, well worthy of your support, so very genuinely, you picking up a couple packs of stickers is a win-win scenario. And that's it. Link to where you can pick those up is in the episode description. Get some for you, get some for your mates, commemorate this stupid thing. Now, here's your episode, you sick I've tried to make sure that we've done this at a time where my house isn't so loud. But if at any point, um, like a dog starts barking or anything like that, I'll I'll get rid of the sound before we. I will absolutely welcome the dog. I mean, Tofu's been on her a couple of times. Yeah, she's a regular guest. Although, yeah, Dan's dog used to pop up in the first couple, but I think even she got bored of us doing this quite quickly. She, she, she won't sit in the same room if one of these films. Is on. She's fucking sick of it. She can't bear to watch you do this to yourself. Spritz. Fuck you, fat asshole. Dildo. Pork fuck. I have been listening in. I'm not completely up to date. I've definitely, definitely listened to the first, first sort of like 10 or so episodes and I've been really enjoying it. It's a very, very good idea. And is I'm, it? And I'm no. really... <laughs> I can tell you right now, it is not. Is it I'm really glad someone's documented this entire experience because it's, it's, you know, it's definitely a wonder of the world is Nicolas Cage's performances in the, <laughs> and you've, in, you've inspired me. There's so many movies that I haven't seen that he's in where now I really want to go, go, what's the name of the the one where his un- his uncle the one that's kind of like back to the future was it oh, but it's not actually back to the future what <laughs> I've been trying to forget about <laughs> what was I really that? want to watch Peggy that. Sue got married that's the one oh god what a shit show that was no it was alright oh, stop it <laughs> Yeah, a lot of the feedback I've got from people has been like, uh, they just love how much Dan hates films. <laughs> and I always jump to his aid and say, no, he likes films a lot, but that, I think that's why he gets so upset. I love being able to choose the film that I get to watch is the problem. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, imagine like, I know that, say like me and Vinny both really like Paramore, but if you could only hear Brand New Eyes every day, that's the only record you could listen to every <laughs> that day. That would be full. fine by me. That's fine by me also. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. One of their best. There, there are days when you don't want to hear that no if, it, if you said that same <laughs> sentence of raya i might be tending to agree with listen that. when i start my podcast where we listen to a paramore album every day just continuously <laughs> you two can be on a guest can be a guest on it and we can oh, talk about wait. it then that is one yeah. of the ideas i have for a future season where i haven't picked the album yet something like robbie williams's rude box <laughs> i think to have to only listen to that could be quite fun i've got that in the room next to me on cd so i'm, <laughs> no, you I'm don't. i was a huge robbie williams fan <laughs> growing up I mean, I'm a huge Robbie Williams fan of his early stuff, but Rudebox is not yeah. is not the one. I mean, when you say Rudebox, it makes me. Was there a song in it? Something Space. One of the singles was like Something Space. Anyway, I remember, I really remember. a childhood family holiday. I was like ten, and we were in Spain, and my dad found like a test radio station, I guess. And for some <laughs> reason, they just kept playing that one Robbie Williams song on repeat just all day because it's a huge hit. And 
I just for some reason he left it on. I don't know what he was. Was he trying? I don't know if he was trying to wind us up or you know he just it was the only song in English that he could listen to, so he just listened to it over and over again. He was like, no, don't they? They will play something else. Have you ever actually listened to the whole of that record? No, I haven't listened to all of Rude Box in full, Dan. Why? Why should I have? (laughs) With sixteen and a half tracks of brilliance, and uh, of course, because Robbie is famous for his bonus track as any educator. Well, there's young a hidden track on there that's just called Dickhead, which I think you deserve if you listen to the whole thing. <laughs> I didn't actually know that he he was famous for bonus tracks. Does he does Yeah, he and I can't remember what record it is. It was maybe around the album 4 5 benchmark. He does a thing because it's obviously in the era of CDs, you'd wait your 10 15 minutes of silence at the end and yeah, then whatever record it was, you'd just hear a clip of him saying, "No, nah, we're not going to do one this time." <laughs> That's pretty good, to be fair. I mean, I have to say, as much as I like Robbie Williams, I don't think I've ever listened to an album from front to back of Robbie Williams. Oh, mate, Life Through a Lens and I've Been Expecting You are both absolute hits. (laughs) The fact that you know the names of them off the top of your head. I've I've legitimately got them here. They were like two of my favourite records growing up. I wasn't really into alternative (laughs) stuff for a long time. Which one's got um, Rota Mandalay on it? Oh, that's later stuff. I don't fuck with that. Is it? (laughs) Is that later stuff? I thought that was like early Robbie, wasn't it? The problem with Robbie is he's had such uh, an extensive and you know eclectic career (laughs) (laughs) that um, when I say his early stuff I I look at him the same way that I look at Coldplay where his first three albums for me two first two I'll correct you there I I thought two but if you actually if you get really deep into X and Y and you realise that uh, Robbie Williams is sick. Uh, <laughs> well, there's, that's the thing about that's the thing about Coldplay. I know that I like to slag it off, but every time "Fix You" comes on, a little tear just oh, like, yeah. streams down my It's one of the greatest songs heart, ever written. You know, my cheek. Yeah. You got to sit down, and just stop what you're doing, really have a think about some things. Yeah. What's this podcast about again? <laughs> by the way, it's <laughs> essentially us procrastinating, trying to talk about anything other than Nick Cage. Yeah. Because this is all we've done for almost fifty days, Vinny. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, Good on you guys. honestly, the topic of Robbie Williams is a welcome respite. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I'm glad I could bring that to you guys. I mean, I, I have to say that, you know, for the last week, the only thing I've been watching is Star Wars. Well, last week, the last like eight mm. weeks has just been Star Wars stuff. So for me, it was a real nice change of pace to watch a, a black comedy. I would say this movie was about. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Let's not run before we can walk here. Let me uh, intro everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Uncaged. My name is Ben Pollard, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and colleague, Daniel Fisher. And today we are blessed to have yet another guest with us. It's everyone's friend. It's Vinny from Wallflower. Hey! Yay! Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's great it. to have you here, mate. Thank you for uh, agreeing to embark on this journey with us. Uh, it's This is our third day of having guests in a row. Uh, and just a quick sidebar. Dan, how are you feeling? It's a bit easier, isn't it? It's nicer. I, you, you'll notice that I'm talking a lot less as I just kind of slowly drift off into the void. <laughs> I, I have less to do and therefore I will do less. <laughs> yeah, some people think it's like uh, either a nice mechanic to dip your toe into an, another pool of fans or other people think it's a, just a nice opportunity to catch up with old friends. But for me and probably yourself, Dan, it's just a crutch. I think it's 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 half of a crutch and half of I want to inflict some of the punishment that we've had to deal with <laughs> onto our friends because <laughs> that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> it's nice to be on the other side of just being relied on 
totally. <laughs> I'm usually the, the the more useless one of the bunch, so I'm I'm happy to to be here and and help you all through it. Yeah, you've had it far too good for far too long. <laughs> <laughs> I bet at the beginning of this, it just seemed like such a good idea. Yeah, we'll watch every Nicolas Cage movie. Why not? <laughs> Honestly, mate, for the, for the first four days, it was so much fun. And that day four, I think that's the first day in the podcast we were just like, I don't want to fucking see him. I'm over it already. And that was just that like, there's like 95 more days. Yeah, this is this is horrible. But his face, his face is just like. It's just like that, isn't it? His face. Oh, especially in this film as well. Yeah. His face in this film really just grated me. I don't know what it was. I had one of those days with it. You're completely right there, Dan. It it sometimes isn't completely Cage's fault, but the fact he is there and he's obligating us to look at him, <laughs> you go through a, a spectrum of emotions with the guy, despite sometimes he's putting in good work, objectively, but it's just, it's not you, it's me, seems kind of apt. Well, it was just, I think it was more to do with the character he played today just seemed like a fucking puddle of a human. And I just <laughs> fucking hated it. <laughs> so I was just... Before we go to talk about that sack of a man, Vinny, I'd love to hear a bit more about your past experience with Nick Cage. Was he in your house much when you were growing up? I have to say, the only Nick Cage movie that I really wholeheartedly remember from from chart my childhood was Face Off and Con Air. No, and Con Air actually. Those are the those are the, my two only experiences of of Nicolas Cage where I specifically remember the movies and i have to say he is just he's just nuts like he is just the most nuts person and like i guess he kind of as i grew up started to get this like more cult internet kind of thing you've got lots of memes and stuff that uses him you know uses his face and he has just got like a weird face and yeah i mean because normally all the movies that i've seen him in he's it's it's always like weirdly an action film i don't know like to me when you look at that guy he doesn't look like an an action lead but the two films that I've seen him in it, both of them is like he's a criminal but he's not a criminal kind of thing so you've been very much treated if the two that you can remember are Con Air and Face Off then yeah. you have a very strange perception of what you were getting in for with this <laughs> to be honest with you my only memory of him really is like action films and I always I always compare him to David Schwimmer as well like I imagine 100%. like Nicolas Cage and David Schwimmer in a room yeah, you know, they, uh, yeah. they went to school together is that, is that right no, I didn't know that they, did they actually yeah, they, they they went to the same high school for like kind of B-list, well, not even B-list, like E-list celebrities in um, in California. The same, the same high school as the director of National Treasure, which is how they all know each other. Of wow. Course. It's all coming together. Like it could have been Schwimmer. Oh, God. It could have been Schwimmer. It's such a funny name for the next podcast. <laughs> what about Schwim when you're winning? Oh, Schwim. fuck off. Schwim when you're winning is the best thing you've, you've said this week and I haven't been with you all week so I'm just letting you know um, I, I always thought it was a missed opportunity you know the episode of Friends where um, Rachel gets a new boyfriend and it's Russ and it's just Ross Yeah. I always thought that should have been Nicolas Cage and not David Schwimmer in prosthetics oh Like, God, imagine just right. Nicolas Cage like, imagine the two of them hey hey yeah. It's, it's that one yeah. where, he, where he does this kind of performance like he's done today and he just has that as soon as he puts that kind of lifeless dull expression on his face of nothing it's exactly the same as Swimmer <laughs> it just... was just a movie about Ross from Friends wasn't it yeah the, the later years <laughs> yeah <laughs> afterwards so let, let's go on to talk about said movie today we watched The Weatherman and it was sort of the film personification of talking about the weather <laughs> Hey, I actually liked the film. I thought the film was good. Did, did you guys yeah, you know, like that? That was film? wrong of me to set the tone early on. And <laughs> there were parts of it I, I liked as well. But so let's, Dan, you've sort of already kind of 
put your feet in the sand a bit here and said how you feel. But before we get to that, Vinny, I'd love to hear about your experience hanging out with Nick this afternoon. The, the thing, I think the thing going into this podcast and watching this movie was, I was like, right, I'm ready for Nicolas Cage to be like the most unhinged human on the planet. And I remember getting about 10, 15 minutes into this film and thinking, it's like they went, right, we need to make every other character more insane than Nicolas Cage is in the film. <laughs> there's like bits, there's bits where like they're talking and I'm like, it did an alien who's pretending to be a human write this film. Like it's, there's, there's, there's no like there's no human into every single thing about it is so unnatural. It is the most unnatural film I think I've ever watched. And weirdly, I liked that about it. But yeah, I mean, it was it was great. It was really great to get to know Nick a little bit better and see another side of him that I've never never really experienced. Dan, your experience sounds a little a little different. But don't get me wrong, I don't dislike this film. It was just that the character that he's playing was just so kind of passive that there's, it was difficult to really sink your teeth into any of this. He's just he's such he's just really you know when we've had in the past few days we've had characters that you know you're not supposed to like but you kind of find them lovable. You know, you kind of go, yeah, I'm I'm on for the ride with this guy. It doesn't really matter that maybe he's friends with Nazis or an arms dealer. You know, probably a nice guy. Classic Nick. Whereas this guy doesn't seem to do a huge amount wrong. And the whole time I just thought, you fucking wanker. He's sort of like you've ran a tissue under the tap and put it in a suit and said, this is a man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just absolutely horrible. Imagine if Michael Caine's your dad and you turn out to be this piece of shit. Like, how is that? Wow. How is that supposed to work? What what casting error was that? The casting error was casting Michael Caine as an American man. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I've de- I have got an I've got a note here. I've made I've made some notes, and one of them one of the very early ones was Michael Caine's accent is really weird because I yeah. feel the, the first like three lines that he says is just Michael Caine. I was like, okay, so he's got an English dad maybe they moved over to america and then all of a sudden paper and then i was like what like he just get me a paper and then he was american and he was just this really bad american just uh, the worst impression of an american person i've ever heard in my life and it was but michael, it's michael Caine. Caine. Oh, yeah. so michael difficult Caine. to i mean he's got a very iconic instantly recognizable way of using his voice yeah but like how do you tell him how do you tell a legend who is described in this film. Michael Caine's character is described by the president of America as a national treasure, yeah, which obviously I, is just <laughs> fantastic. I immediately, that was the first note I made, that was. Down your drink. Paying homage to the boss. Fantastic. <laughs> like, how do you tell him that he is doing a bad job? I mean, even that being said, the director of this film is, I didn't know the name off the top of my head, quite prolific. Do you want to you hazard a guess at some of the other stuff that Gore Verbinski has been involved in? <laughs> the name does ring a bell, actually. Go on. I- he started off doing a lot of music videos. He did No Effects' S&M Airlines video. He did about five music videos for Bad Religion. He also did the Budweiser Frogs commercial before moving into doing all three Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, my God. He did Pirates of the Caribbean? <laughs> Who is this guy? You're forgetting the, his his big uh, his big um big moment of Mouse Hunt in 1997. Oh, what a movie! I love that. Fuck, movie. was that him? <laughs> that was him. What? Yep. <laughs> How did you skip past the greatest film of all time? <laughs> but I thought that was uh, I thought that was someone else that did that who we worked with before who did directed whatever that not very good film it was Never on Tuesday. Um, Am I getting confused? I've got it listed here as um, as Gore being the. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. right at it. Mouse Hunt, fucks. That film rules. I've got yeah, a VHS a copy of that I'm looking at right now. Yeah. Much better than this film. <laughs> he did Mouse Hunt and it's straight into the ring. Yeah! <laughs> this, this guy's a fucking psychopath. 
This guy's out of his mind. Absolutely no direction whatsoever. If He's you told me before this con- <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. If you told me before this conversation that Pirates of the Caribbean and The Ring was directed by the same man, right. I would have t- told you to get out of town. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I've never. I, 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 yeah, I'm just. I'm shocked. I'm in shock right now. Mad. Right. Should we? Should we between us try and talk about? what happens in this film. I guess so. We'll try. It's kind of tricky because it's not really a film where a lot happens. It's like, yeah. it's very interpersonal. This, the scene opens, um, the film opens immediately with Nick Cage staring down the lens of the camera and therefore into my eyes <laughs> and telling me through telekinesis that he has just brushed his teeth and is, he is now feeling refreshed. And that was fucking startling. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a terrifying moment. That, that entire opening like scene was shot really nicely. And I thought, oh, maybe this is going to be quite like an arty film. And it was. But I think the way that, the way that it kind of opened almost made you think there was going to be a lot more personality and a lot more going on than there really was. I was expecting a, a lot more pirates, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a VHS tape and he dies in like seven days or something like that. Where's right? the swashbuckling? <laughs> I agree with that. It looks, it looks really pretty for the most part part of this film and I kept expecting there was going to be well I don't know how to say it but like something that would happen in it like there'll be a, some sort of twist or something that makes this character have to do it but really it's just this quite deflated interpersonal drama about this deadbeat divorced dad yeah. who can't really figure out where he's going with his life and although his career is going well he doesn't know if that's enough yeah well I mean spoilers his his dad dies at the end mm. and he well there's the there's the plot with his son which yeah there's some weird side stories one of the very first notes I made for this after the National Treasure line was just this counsellor guy is 100% a nonce absolutely yeah. I, I saw that coming a mile off yeah. and then it's like okay. 15 notes later capital letters and also nuts. like the, the <laughs> thing that really confused me even more about the fact that he was very very clearly a raging nonce was the attention to the jumper that so many people <laughs> <laughs> like because he was like hey nice jumper and, and and then he gets him the jumper and then he gets in the car and, and then Nick, Nicolas Cage's like, hey, that's a great jumper. And I was like, it's the most boring yeah. jumper I've ever seen in my in my life. And I think that's Come a perfect representation. That jumper is a perfect representation of what this film was. <laughs> it's just like all this attention is being put on this thing that everyone's telling you is really great. But at the same time, you're like, I don't see anything special about it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I liked it nonetheless. I, I liked it. Not the jumper, the film. <laughs> I think I enjoyed it the most just because of how many times we see Nicolas Cage get f- food just fucking launched at him it was the perfect poetry that this is a man known to not be able to eat food on camera (laughs) yet there is a montage of him being pelted with the stuff well i'll tell you what guys insane i'd like to to give you both a quick round of quizzless cage oh fantastic and see between you if you can give me one each of the foods that are thrown at nick throughout this film big gulp big gulp (laughs) big gulp yeah i've I've literally got i've literally got a note that just says big gulp yeah (laughs) that bit was so good i lost it in that because it's just such a ridiculous thing to have on there my personal favorite was where he gets slammed in the face with what looks to be some sort of like kebab (laughs) yeah it gets him like in the face mid-walk i I think i read that it was the director who did all of the food yeah the director was launching them fantastic um, you can just imagine the poets of the caribbean theme playing and he's just running aside just pouting food Yeah, that, that montage nearer to the end where oh, you just so see funny. all the food that was being thrown at him was really, really great. Yeah, I would have I would have also accepted McNuggets or Falafel Wrap. Ah, yeah, that was the one, the Falafel <laughs> yes. Wrap. 
Oh, there's also the uh, the apple pie as well. There's some great ones. What was the name of the first, the milkshake, like the chocolate milkshake where Michael came? Oh, a slushy. No, but it had a certain name. It was like a, oh, I can't remember. It was like a chocolate milkshake. Yeah. He calls it something and then has to call it a shake so his dad understands, but it's called something ridiculous. That's such a fantastic scene where he gets this huge milkshake thrown over him. He wants to be livid, but then sees his dad who he has like a kind of strange relationship with and then just has to explain to him why he's had it thrown at him he's like why he's like because i'm the weatherman no he's like no but but why because i'm on tv no no you're not listening why did they throw a milkshake at you yeah it's it's... i mean it was it was immediate karma because like it's literally like 15 seconds after he launches a snowball at his ex-wife's face (laughs) oh my god i really really want to talk about the snowball because i laughed out i i've 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 laughed the most i have in weeks about the snowball because the mood just completely changes he's like so it's such a serious conversation all of a sudden just like this shitting grin appears on his face and you see him make this snowball yeah it's just perfect you're like no nick don't do it don't do it (laughs) You're going to fuck it up. Within one minute of this film, it goes from, I think I might be getting back with my wife, to assaulting his wife, to getting food launched into his face, to, oh, his dad's dying. This is in one minute. Yeah. In one minute, all of this happens. And then for an hour, nothing happens. He blames the snowball on her as well, because he's like, you turned into it. (laughs) You turned into it. After he calls her name. name. <laughs> that bit really gave me some insight into just just Nicolas Cage in a nutshell. That I think the... all the food he'd been getting nailed with for years on end. He was like, I just once want to know what that feels like. <laughs> we always hurt the ones we love the most. There's yeah. one other like scene that really stands out that we're going to have to discuss here. And what I want to know is in what's what I'm fairly certain is the only sex scene that we get in this, thankfully. Oh my Why god. is he dressed as Abraham Lincoln oh still? Oh my god. <laughs> you just take it off, wouldn't you, before yeah. you started? You just that beard and, and the mole. Why would you keep it on? It's just oh completely my god. ridiculous. I could just imagine the sequence before where she's like, no, no, leave it on. <laughs> you look too much like Nick Cage. Leave it on. Seeing Nick Cage dressed as Abe Lincoln was like brilliant and it's for such such a short period of time but it was so rewarding <laughs> I, I have got a note about the sex scene as well and and mine was just why does he look so troubled at, like i don't know there's there's a shot you know obviously the lady who he's who he's who he's doing it with is obviously having a really nice time she's astride him having a good old jump around yeah yeah and it just kind of zooms into his face and he looks <laughs> So, I mean, like, I understand he's probably not having a good time in his life, really, but he, I've never seen, I've never seen, like, a sex scene in a movie where someone has looked so, so inquisitive and and just, it, it could have been, it could have been a shot from any other scene in the movie. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, align with what was happening in that moment. The shot before it and that one do not add up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was it. Because, like, yeah, there's, like, obviously there's a bit of nudity and then it just cuts straight to him just looking so upset. <laughs> just so, so upset. That's one thing that I think this film does do quite well is that it keeps kind of setting up these really serious topics and then kind of giving you the insight into what Nick's thinking and it's always just so left field of what you're thinking it's going to be. I think there's some really great moments of that. Yeah, we're constantly getting his inner monologue and no scene better sums it up than the tartar sauce scene. (laughs) Yeah, it's just unbelievable. I've actually got the transcript in front of me here. Oh please, read it out read it out, read it out please. I'm going to give it a go. So to, to set up the sequence, Nick Cage is sort of a flash back to when he is with his ex-wife and their kids and she sends him out to get some fish and chips and presumably to go with them 
tartar sauce. Uh, that's the one thing she makes really sure. And he's like, okay, leaves the house. He's stressed about it. And he keeps saying in his head, tartar sauce, tartar sauce. And he stops at some lights just as they're about to change and stands behind a lady with a nice bottom. At which point he says in his inner monologue, man, I'd like to put my face in there, right in there, tartar sauce. My hips are cold, tartar sauce. That's when you know it's cold. I like eating pussy, tartar sauce. A lot of guys don't. Well, maybe they do. Maybe it's just black guys. Tartar sauce, tartar sauce. What happened to the guy who was trying to fly around the world in a balloon? Tartar sauce. Did he make it? I should put some espionage and stolen plutonium into my novel. Tartar sauce. Spice it up. Neil Young. Fuck, it's cold. Neil Young? Why am I thinking about Neil Young? Neil Diamond. Neil. There's not a lot of famous Neils. Is this a Wednesday? I wish I had two dicks. I, I thought the whole I family was going to learn dicks. Spanish this year. That never really happened. I haven't had a Spanish omelette in a long time. Oh, let's change. Here we go. Amazing. I, I love how, how I subtly he puts in, dicks. I wish I had two dicks, straight into essentially, I haven't had a Spanish omelette in a long time. <laughs> I wish I had two dicks. I was just there, just like, you know what? Snap. He goes straight from that to thinking about learning Spanish with his family. What whiplash. From thinking about, is this Wednesday? I wish I had two dicks. <laughs> Brilliant. I think those moments were probably the highlights for me. Um, that and um, the moment where they go to the kind of marriage counselling or like the relationship counselling. Oh, yes. And there's the two moments where uh, you're supposed to write down like a secret kind of thing. And they give it to him. He just announces his porn addiction to the entire oh room. God. I was like, oh yeah. my God. He is so eager to please anyone that in the <laughs> circle of strangers, she says, what you're going to do is you're going to tell a secret to your partner, something you know really upset them. It turns out they had to write it down, but he just cannot wait to blurt out. I had this thing with porno. Oh I was really God. hoping with the uh, with the trustful that he was going to fuck it up. I thought he was going to. I really wanted that to be a moment just to see him completely make a mess. Out First the snowball, the now this. <laughs> yeah, you, you turned into it. She goes. You she goes to fall back, and he just throws a snowball in her face. That's one thing. So we've had him act these kind of um, lesser cage-esque roles for a couple of days now but this is one where i actually did think he is really great at acting like a pathetic nerd oh he's <laughs> such a wet blanket he's so unlikable he? he's so unlikable he does it really well whereas like we've had we, we've had beige cage we've done we've gone through that yeah but this i think is like a different level this is actually acting but in that kind of he's really hateable don't get me wrong but i think he does a good job of doing this i didn't think cage could actively make me hate him more than i already did the trust exercise he instantly read oh. read the note and it was just like yeah what <laughs> you would have at least waited wouldn't you like he, he could not wait to read that note. with the moment the moment um the uh the, the counselor or whatever she is just like reads out it's like this is the kind of exercise i was like it's gonna read the note immediately and that's what made me twice as happy when she opens his note oh and it God. just said <laughs> bj's lacked enthusiasm <laughs> Oh my god. And then she gets my favorite part off the back of that is she's giving him a verbal beatdown and basically says, They lacked enthusiasm because I hate you and I hate your ugly legs. <laughs> your ugly legs. An incredible diss. <laughs> she just basically tells him that she never loved him in that moment. And then yeah. and then obviously the daughter, Shelley who um, I'd like to have a little bit of a chat about in a second. Oh, big up Shelley. She's a legend. <laughs> he says to her, we should get a hobby together. She goes, yeah, archery. <laughs> My favourite bit is when they're on the ice skating rink and she just says, so what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> what? 
And he's like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? And she's like, what are we doing? So, okay. <laughs> you could have worded it better. In all fairness, Vinny, I don't think any of us expected them to be a three-legged ice skating race. Oh my God. I didn't think that yeah. was a fucking thing until this. And then she tears her ACL, doesn't she, in it? She's yeah, she fucks her leg up. I was furious about this moment. <laughs> I've literally just had my entire knee repaired and like half of my ACL replaced because of this. And she apparently tears her ACL and MCL, just, just walks it off. That's what I was going to say. It's such, a, it's such a long-term injury. Like, are you fucking serious i've been without walking properly for now two years she's fine skates the rest of it walks off goes back to archery listen man we know she's tough that's why all the kids called her a camel toe <laughs> oh my god that what the fuck was that about when i woke up this morning things i did not expect to hear and see is michael kane effectively explaining word for word what a camel toe is to a befuddled nicholas cage followed Does by a montage oh of camel god. toes that wasn't necessary. Oh As if Michael Caine's terrible American accent describing that wasn't visual enough. And if that if that wasn't enough, it then goes to Nick Cage again through telepathy explaining to me, the viewer, what a camel toe is. <laughs> like, Nick, your dad just told me I know. Jesus. The bit where she's getting changed later on in the movie in the changing rooms and she comes out in the trousers and he looks down oh. and there's like, it takes you out of the movie so much because it's just like a Google images. It cuts to a JPEG. Picture of like an actual camel toe. <laughs> and it's like a wow wow kind of sound effect <laughs> as it happens. And you're like, what what just happens in this movie? I did like that sequence though when he's, they're in the changing rooms. He, he's quite infused about, about it. And I, I never thought I'd see a Nick Cage in a like picking the perfect dress montage. <laughs> But yeah, yeah it's like there, legally it's, blonde or something. Like, it's quite sweet in honesty. Like, I yeah. think he plays the the like estranged father role in this quite well. In so, like, his character is this just sack of a man, but he does, I think, a really good job of being a sack of a man, yeah. but trying to love his kids in this. I really like that about that film. This film actually, like, actually saying something quite positive about this film is normally when you have that kind of relationship in films like this, it's usually always the kid is always being let down and stuff. But in this film, you could really tell that the kids just did not give a fuck about their dad. <laughs> he just really, really wanted to be involved in their lives. I need and something, <laughs> anything. I need you to love me. And he's obviously there's some great interactions between Cage and the sort of new dad oh, of the kids, just fantastic. his ex-wife's husband. Can you, do you happen to make any notes on that? Because yeah, these are two men that are awful at arguing and being rude to well, people. I can understand, <laughs> like coming off the back of what Vinny's saying, why are these kids like, it might be funny, if I heard my dad call another grown man dildo pork fuck, <laughs> I would hang out with my dad. <laughs> yeah, you know Dad, I mean? you got to teach me some of these put downs. That was sick. And if I saw him glove slap a man, <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolute legend. Why? Why is kids don't respect this guy? It doesn't. I don't get it. At the end of the movie, he literally aims a, a bow and yeah. arrow at him, and everyone sees it, and he just kind of goes, "It never gets addressed. Nah, it's not worth it." Yeah, no, he, he basically threatens to murder. That doesn't him. get addressed. His essential. Yeah. <laughs> They just got. They just kind of walk. How off. do you guys think that scene was going to play out? I thought he was going to do it. Yeah, I actually you thought, thought he was going to do it. I, I thought, thought the movie was just going to turn. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I thought that's what was going to happen in the movie. But uh, no, I thought that was going to be the whole thing where he hadn't been able to hit like the bullseye of the target this entire time, and he was finally going to get one, and it's just going to go through his fucking head. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, oh now really. <laughs> 
here comes the weatherman. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> sick that his daughter doesn't want to get into archery, but he's like, I actually think it's pretty cool. So <laughs> yeah. if you don't mind, yeah. I'm going to crack on with this. I love that bit where he moves to New York and he's like, people don't throw food at me anymore, but maybe that's because I'm walking around with a fucking <laughs> bow and arrow. <laughs> with a bow and arrow. And he's so every back. scene where he's got a bow and arrow on his back, I'm like... No, that wouldn't be allowed. I'm telling you, that wouldn't be allowed. I know things are different now to they were in 2005, but even 15 years ago in New York, they wouldn't let a man walk around with a bow and arrow. This is white privilege. <laughs> yeah, with literally a quiver on his back full of arrows. There's no way. He's ready to fucking roll. People are just like, hey, weatherman. <laughs> like, yeah. What about, hey, man, bowman, like archer man? What the fuck is going on in this bit yeah. of the movie? There's a few segments that we'll, we'll move through. But before we do that, I'd love to find out from you guys. We've thrown a mixed bag at the man throughout this. But I would love if we could take a moment, join hands, sing a little prayer and be nice to Nikki. Vinny, I'd love to invite you to say some nice things about our man in this film first. I actually don't hate him nearly half as much as you guys obviously do at this point. Um, yeah, I did think the character was a bit of a dickhead, um, but I, I liked the scene with um, the changing room scene that we were talking about earlier on. I liked how enthusiastic he was about his daughter. And I, and I think, you know, the, the entire story, it had a good resolve. He learned, you know, he learned that you don't always get what you want, but that doesn't necessarily, that's not a bad thing as the uh, SpongeBob balloon behind him <laughs> um, just to keep it that, that, scene, I that was believe. weird. That was the weird. first time we see that rocked my world. Yeah, just a huge SpongeBob in the window. I was like, "What is going? Is that SpongeBob?" <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I thought the character was nice to to a certain okay. level, and I and I and I actually really liked the message of the film in the long run. I just thought that all the bits in between were a bit insane because no one actually acted like a human being would in any given situation. <laughs> but yeah, great job, Nick. It was it was good. You did well considering the source text was written by aliens. As I said earlier on, yeah, as I said earlier on, I think that he was the least unusual person in the movie. So that has a lot to, that says a lot about the rest of the people that were in it. How about you, Fisher? What you got? Um, I really like how he interacts with his family in this. Uh, mostly his kids. I think this is some of the best kind of nice guy. As much as it is a really pathetic ca uh, character that he plays, it is kind of highlighted this is probably the best on-screen father that we've seen him try and be. I think it's one of the most realistic. Yeah, like I said, I don't think it's a... Obviously, there's, there's moments of real fault, but I think that that's what makes it what it is. This film is at no point kind of sugarcoating any of these things. It kind of shows, and like you say, he doesn't, no one in this film acts as they should, but there is always like a, a subtle kind of undertone of, you, you can't kind of, I, I end up feeling quite bad for him because he's clearly mm. trying very hard in this. So I think, you know I what, say, yeah. Nick Cage, good dad, fair play to him. I think I'd like to be nice to, to Nicky. Uh, and just give him a shout out for giving appropriate redemption to someone that tried to sexually assault your son and just beats the <laughs> shit out of him. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was really worried that that wasn't going to get brought up properly or we weren't going to get closure on that sequence. But he does what I think any father would do in that situation and just, like, beats the fuck out of the guy that assaults his kid. And, and then like has this great moment where him and his son are getting fast food afterwards <laughs> and he's just like yeah just beat him up <laughs> that's my just, that was one of my favorite bits when he had his arm around him afterwards as well and it was just like this is such a weird but beautiful moment yeah <laughs> it was cool yeah it's a very weird one it's like you can see his hand on his shoulder his hand's still all cut up from beating up a nonce and it's like oh <laughs> is this is this something you bond over is this 
I can't remember the exact word he used, but doesn't he say, I whomped him? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like, it. Yeah. I whomped him. It's just I whomped like, him. <laughs> I just whomped him. And then they just start laughing the day away, which is, yeah, a beautiful moment. <laughs> so for all his essentially bag of flesh qualities this guy has, inside there is quite possibly a heart of gold. But will it be enough as we move on to the next segment of the show? Cage match! <laughs> right, how are we going to do this, is this Vinny? Is this bit is new? You are gonna be, you're going to be in the corner managing uh, our man, the, the weatherman, as I, I give up learning his name quite early on, the weatherman, Dave Spritz. Dave Spritzel. I think, Ben, you're going to have to take over for... Uh, okay, you want to ref? Yeah, I think I'll referee this one, because otherwise it's going to become very kind of one-sided, because you know how I feel about Benjamin Franklin Gates. Yes, very true, from the <laughs> National Treasure. So I will go in the corner of Benjamin Franklin Gates, a person I've gone on record of saying, not a huge fan of, he's sort of a knob, <laughs> and who's going to be facing down against the weatherman. Daniel, what's going to be our first category? We're going to go straight in on this one with strength, and I'm going to invite Vinny to give the first argument why he thinks Dave David Spritz might be, uh, you know, talk, let's talk about his strengths as a character. Whether it be mental strength, physical strength, what have you got? And then we're going to judge this at the he's end. He's physically fit, this man. Now, not only did he beat the shit out of a nonce, fall down the <laughs> stairs and, and win. <laughs> and carry on. I'd like to, yeah, and carry on. I'd like to remind you all that nearer to the end of the film, when he finally has enough of having shit thrown at him, he chases after the car of the people who <laughs> threw oh, yeah. the apple pie at him and he keeps up with them for a yeah. long time. He keeps up with them, makes a conversation before before <laughs> yeah. getting his revenge while just running, running alongside this car. Running aside for a long time. And I mean we've all he can he's he's good at archery. We've seen we've seen how good he is at that. We've seen how good he is at a snowball fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Throwing things. And also, as he proved with the ice skating sack race, he is persistent and he will not give up so actually yeah i think i think mentally and physically maybe too strong maybe it's his his down so i think this is actually a very good argument for someone that we went into this thinking he's essentially a bag of old piss yeah exactly he's so lacking a spine but apparently that doesn't matter every bag of piss is gonna pop one day already regretting giving ben gates to to ben here because i don't think you're gonna Uh, do him justice but ben Let's let's talk about the strength <laughs> let's think. of uh, Ben from National Treasure. Well, if we're talking about strength of determination, this man literally stole the Declaration <laughs> of Independence. <laughs> That's pretty determined, but physically... Can I just say that that is the only plot point of the movie that I know I've never That's, seen. It's more or less Treasure. the whole film. <laughs> so, I have so seen I'm going to be really interested. <laughs> I would... He's not a very physically strong guy. Like, he's persistent, but that's sort of it. Like, he's determined. But I think if you put the two in a ring, especially if projectiles were an option for weapons, (laughs) then I don't think Ben's going to last too far in it, to be honest. No, and the weatherman, he he has nothing to lose as well. He's lost everything. (laughs) You're shit. I think think he's got it here. I think uh, (laughs) David Spritz is going to take strength. So that's a 1-0. That is going to bring us in to agility. So, Ben, I'm going to let you start this one on the back foot. Mm. Tell us about the agility of the man who can steal the Declaration of Independence. I mean, this is an agile guy for for the obvious reasons, but also we've noticed there's a point in the National Treasure movie he stars in where after a large explosion uh, in which him and his associate somehow managed to survive by dodging, they walk back from the Antarctic to the FBI headquarters in, I think, Washington. That's pretty agile. (laughs) Yeah, okay, that's that's very agile. Does that actually? That's, yeah. 
Yeah, there's some missing footage in there, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> they cut a scene out. <laughs> yeah, a few of them. Vinny, where do we stand on agility with a man who can't help but get hit with food? <laughs> well, I was going to say, I was going to say, he gets hit by, he gets hit by, like, every form of fast food a lot. Uh, I would say, despite his strength and physical fitness, he's not a, he's not a hard man to catch. Um, he's he, I mean he's on the telly a lot so you always know where he's going to be I know that's not necessarily agility but you always know mm. that you always know where to find him and I reckon you could always you could always get a hit on him so I wouldn't say he's as strong with that um, not not quite agile but I, th- I think you're onto something here even in the fight he has with the nonce he even manages to put himself down the stairs as well so I, d- <laughs> yeah. I, d- I, c- I would completely agree that he takes it on strength but I would say that this is one all when it comes to agility yeah, yeah. 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 and that's going to bring us in to a very risky round three where I would like you both to give me your impressions on the character's likability Oh God! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they both suck. You can you can pick between you who can go first because I feel like who loses I feel like less. this is a padding for time moment. Okay, <laughs> you, I'll go. Okay, despite all of Dave Spritz Spritzel's faults, um, <laughs> I think that by the end of the movie we have a man who who has actually he actually has learned a lot. Um, you, you've got a movie where it starts out where he's a weatherman. He's supposed to he's supposed to know what's going on. He's supposed to know what's coming next. But he hates being asked about the weather in public. He wants to keep his family together. You know, he's got all these things. He wants to impress his dad. He wants to show his dad that he's he's all this. And by the end of the film, his wife's got a new husband. His dad's dead. There's all these things. And despite that, in the face of adversity, he's learned to be happy with what he's got. He's actually gone and got a Got, he went for the job in New York, which is quite a surprising move for the for the movie. It's quite a realistic thing that would actually happen in that situation. So I actually think, yeah. you know, yes, he's very unlikable during the movie. But by the end of the movie, I think there is a clear character development that this guy has let go of all the things that bother him. So, so t- just to clarify, you think that you would like him... When he has more money, <laughs> that is exactly all right. What yeah, I'm good. Saying. All right, we're on the that same is page. Exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Having more money, a dead dad, and no wife <laughs> makes you a much better person. <laughs> to be fair, that, we, we say that, but we've we've done likability before on who would you rather go on a night out with, Ooh. and someone that's no longer married and has a whole heap of cash does sound that sounds like a riot. <laughs> yeah, versus a, ben, a history nerd. Talk me through as you describe him as the likability of this history nerd. Um. <laughs> It's difficult because he that listen if you were into American history you would love spending some time with Benjamin Franklin Gates because that is exclusively what he talks about but if you didn't you might not there is there is that redeeming quality he displays at the end where despite committing treason and tricking a child into committing treason to accomplish <laughs> his goal he does give everything back to the museums uh, and only keeps a meager 1% of the $10 billion payout for it. So that's sort of likeable, I guess. <laughs> so this is an interesting one. Do the ends justify the means, though? You know, I was just going to ask, is Benjamin Franklin Gates part of the like the wealthiest 1% by any chance? He must be, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like he is big into late-stage capitalism, which is everything <laughs> America stands for, of course. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm definitely going to watch national treasure as soon as we get off the school highly recommend it (laughs) (laughs) well look here's the way that i'm going to judge this because i think both of these characters as far as likability can be a little bit beige but we have brought money into this 
and we've got one guy who moves away from his family to make more money and one guy that gives all of the money back. I'm going to give this one to Ben Gates. No, 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 wow. no, no. It's not right. Blimey. That's not right. I can't. I cannot stand <laughs> I'm as surprised here. As you are. I cannot stand here and and let you talk utter shit about my man. You haven't seen <laughs> National Treasure. <laughs> 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 no. I, do you know what? I've never been more passionate about anything in my life. Right? He doesn't. He doesn't want the money. He wants. No, he did. He did want the money. He wanted. He wanted his entire he family. The, he spends the whole film trying to make, have a better relationship yeah. with his kids, and then just when someone yeah. goes oh a million dollars if you move to the other side of the country and he's like yeah, go on then isn't the point of that that he realises that the best thing that he can do for his family is to give them a stable life the where best he thing he can do for weekends. his family is leave them alone does that sound like a likeable guy <laughs> Do you know what? I'm still I'm still trying to get over the fact that the main character in National Treasure is called Benjamin Franklin Gates. Yeah, man. <laughs> I it, need it, to watch the it movie. It never gets less funny. Look, Vinny, <laughs> promise, promise me that you'll watch the film and then message me. And we'll have this debate properly because I think you'll I think you'll turn once you've once you've seen the genius of Ben Gates. Absolutely. Yes. Oh my yeah, god. Really, so that's going to bring us to two one to uh, National Treasure star Ben Gates. Uh, that's going to leave us on uh, what could be the end, and that Ooh. would be. What have we got left this? Oh, this is going to be another beige one. We've got appearance. <laughs> Thrilling content. Who, who has the more... When you look at each of these characters, who has the more... Who, who is the Lord of Four? Yeah, who's more, commonly, <laughs> who's more commonly covered in fast food shit? Yeah. I have nothing positive to say about... <laughs> I have nothing positive or negative to say about this man's appearance. Um, I think the scene where the two people are watching the telly early on in the film sums it up where... One lady's like, he's handsome. And the other guy goes, he's an asshole. And it's like, yes, he is both of those things. <laughs> yeah, all in one. All. But I mean, my guy is on the TV, so that must count for something. You know, yep, he, he's on the that. telly. He's probably got better hair. Oh, yeah. he's. This is actually some of my favourite cage hair. Yeah. So I'm on the wrong side here. No, but I do think you have a point because it's. I think either side of this, this is just a, a very boring category, realistically, because neither bring much to the table. We've got we've got Ben Gates who rocks that little like uh, that tube to, to carry the declaration around with him, as if as if you wouldn't just stash it somewhere. Is that enough? But though? again, like that's his own only real accessory. We have we have David Spitz who's constantly covered in fast food and you know and milkshakes, and Ben Gates who's constantly dresses up as Abe Lincoln. He does dress. No, right, we have a winner. That's that's, that's <laughs> absolutely sealed it. Game. That. And let's just let's just say as well. Let's just say he managed to seduce uh, a, a quite an attractive lady whilst, whilst dressed up as Abe Lincoln. <laughs> so you know he's got let's, something let's going give him on. Some credit, yeah, yeah. Blimey, tied game. Right, I, that's going to bring us into a tiebreaker on our final category of this, and that is the category of cage. Who do you think out of the two? Well, that's that's a tricky one because. Speaking about my guy, Ben Franklin Gates here, he is, and I've gone on record saying this, and yes, I'm very aware I'm not doing a very good job of fighting his corner. <laughs> he just doesn't put anything out. He's just rude to everyone. He's a one-track mind. He's constantly just talking about his family history and the map and the treasure. I mean, Dan will be able to attest. We tried a, we tried a drinking game to go along with it every time he mentions the word map, and 30 minutes into this thing, you're plastered. <laughs> <laughs> Alcohol poisoning. Yeah, it, it, it became quite difficult. Vinny, what, in what ways do you think Nicholas displays some cage in this? Have you got a real standout scene? The, so I actually, there's one thing in my notes that I haven't 
I haven't really spoken about yet. And it's one it's the first interaction he has with another human being in the movie. And it's when he's in the line at what I can only assume <laughs> is the um like the like driving DMV. license. Yeah, yeah, yeah wh- wherever that is. And the guy just keeps going like, You're in TV, bro. You're in TV, bro. And he's very rude to the man. Um <laughs> and there is a there is sort of like a mini outburst there. Um, yeah. And and you see that theme continued throughout the movie. I mean, he throws a snowball. He <laughs> ch- he he, cha- he chases a car down through a hot apple pie at him. Um, he says he wishes he had two dicks. <laughs> he literally aims a bow and arrow at a man, threatening to kill Fuck. him. And we still think this is one of Nicolas Cage's more subtle performances. Wow, yeah, you're right. We've got this. And there's the scene before he beats up the nonce where he's getting himself psyched up on the car park roof, shadow box in the air. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a brilliant bit of Cage being displayed yeah. here. So I would say it's quite Nicolas Cage. This is not an outcome that I, I would have would have liked to have seen, but I, I do think that you have to give it to David Spritz on this. The weatherweight champion of the world. And I think that's going to be 3-2, and that's going to be the end of Benjamin Franklin Gates until <laughs> until a week away, and then we get National <laughs> Treasure 2. Oh, yeah, don't worry. You shall return. <laughs> oh, is, is, yeah. is David Spritz the reigning champion now, then? Is, yeah. that, is this how this yeah, works? Yeah, that's it. He's moved on in the competition. David oh. Spritz is going to be going on to take on tomorrow's uh, candidate, which is going to be Zock, where Nicholas Cage <laughs> plays the voice of Zock in The Ant Bully. <laughs> what, what the hell is The Ant Bully? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh god I look, we're getting very close to finding out what g-force is so. <laughs> is that the hamster i don't even know what that is i think is it's a bunch that? of spy guinea pigs yes he's in it oh i ben i thought you've been taking the piss this whole time and i've just clicked it and it legitimately is a, a specially trained <laughs> squad of guinea pigs is dispatched to stop yeah. a diabolical billionaire from taking over the world <laughs> I thought you were just winding me up this whole time. I thought it was going to be about helicopters again. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Daniel and I haven't been completely honest with you whilst we've been recording this, and for that I apologise. <laughs> Recently we've been in touch uh, with the man himself, and these days Daniel and I are both working as representatives for Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I hear you've come up with this great new script for, what was it, The, the Weatherman it was called? Right. Uh, and I just wondered if you'd be interested in pitching your film to our client. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I'd I'd be more than happy to. Um. So basically, there's a guy. Um. And he's a weatherman. Okay. I see the um, link. And his 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 dad. The title. I get it. His dad is a is a writer, a, a famous Pulitzer Prize winning writer. He's got to be played by Michael Caine. Um. <laughs> but he's American. Bear that in mind. <laughs> okay, um, interesting. So we're going to pay for this really famous voice and not use it. No, exactly. Well, that's that's that's. <laughs> okay, exact- I'm into it. <laughs> I like <laughs> yeah. the sound of this. That's the point of this movie. It, it subverts expectations. You know, it's kind of got like a a Last Jedi kind of thing about it. Um, <laughs> that, that's real hot right now. I've heard. Is anyway. that where you think it's um, going to be good? Yeah, yeah. That's 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 what makes movies good. Um, but basically, he he's a weatherman and he's got a family and they hate him. He's got uh, a dad. And and he hates him. Um, the general public hate him. Um, <laughs> and he goes he goes for an entire movie with everyone hating him, wishing more people could like him. At some point, he fights off a nonce who tried to okay. tried to groom his younger son. And at the end, his dad dies. 
He doesn't manage to fix his relationship after finding out, well, after throwing a snowball at his wife and finding out that she hated giving him blowjobs. <laughs> and he moves to New York and that's it. That's the end of the movie. He makes a million dollars a year. This all sounds fantastic. And I'll tell you what, I think we can free up around 22 million in the budget for this. How <laughs> yeah. How do you think that's... this is going to do worldwide? Oh. Do you think this is, do you think, let's, let's play a game of higher or lower. <laughs> I can say that this movie has the McDonald's logo in it no more than nine times. Yeah, in so one... I imagine they made they made a few they made a few bucks back from 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 all the advertising of all the fast food. Daniel, whereabouts the what are we predicting to make back on this? It's a very slight loss, unfortunately. Oh, that is uh, of nine, just over nineteen million. So we're we're three mil out. <laughs> uh, I think I think Cage is going to be happy with that. I, th- I think that that's a fine choice for Cage. I think he's going to take yeah, the role. Yeah, for some reason, only losing $3 million in Hollywood is considered a success. So You're always running at a loss of Nicolas Cage, as far as I'm concerned. I, don't I think he's made, he's made so much money and it's got so much spare now from how successful National Treasure was that it just doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, that was a fantastic pitch, Vinny. I think we're going to be... Our people will call your okay. people, but I can uh, I can see this coming into fruition nicely. Okay, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad to hear it. I, I hope you like the bit where all the kids are extremely unlikable in the movie. I think Nick's gonna <laughs> love that. It's a selling point, frankly. It's really important that that's and and obviously he makes a million dollars at the end of the film as well. That's <laughs> as we round off the show. There's a segment we like to do when we have a guest here. Daniel and I, we've got a bad habit of talking a lot and taking up some valuable airtime. So I wanted to give you a moment to talk about whatever you want, Vinny. It's called Gone in 16 Seconds and your time starts now. Oh my God. Um, I suppose uh, I should talk about the fact that I am in a band, I guess, and we've got an album coming out soon and it's it's good and I think so anyway. And it's it's you know, actually, it's the musical equivalent of the movie. That sounds great, mate. Good I think mean, that's, that's all the time sounds we've got Sounds really there. interesting, Vinny. Thanks so much <laughs> for your time there. Daniel, thank you for your time today. A pleasure as always. Yeah, always, pal. Oh, God. Vinny, genuinely very wonderful to have you on here. You've got a very brilliant comic mind and you've made this a total pleasure. It doesn't feel like work. Comedy is my second job after all, so I'm glad I'm glad, um, <laughs> glad I could join you all and, and get involved in it. And, and good luck for the, for the rest I don't know how many more you've got, but I'm guessing you're about halfway through. We're just coming up to the halfway point now. And I have no idea how to feel at that juncture, whether that will be a cause for celebration or a cause for commiseration. But <laughs> hey, we'll see We'll see when we get there. Enjoy Ant Bully and enjoy G-Force. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nicholas, thanks for your time today. I guess. Better than the worst ones we've seen, but just not a very great character. But there's there's some great laugh along moments, so I, I've enjoyed this one. Mate, you're talking to the current reigning champion, so you watch your tongue. Wow. It's, it's, it's like an interim champion as we wait for Ben Gates to come back again. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many more things you'll learn about him in the next movie, I you, assume. You thought he was restricted right to moment. only stealing declarations. <laughs> <laughs> And Vinny, as you well know, we end every episode saying the same thing. I wondered if you'd please play us out. Oh, God. Oh, God. My memory. You've got to remind me what it is. <laughs> I'm so bad at stuff like Thanks, this. everyone. See you next time. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.